Hello, and welcome to the first ever Shawbrook podcast. I am your host, Nicholas Neveling, the editor of Real Deals magazine. And on today's program, we will be talking European venture debt. At first glance, taking on debt may seem like an odd thing for startups that are cash flow negative to consider. But the creation of a venture debt community has been identified as a crucial cornerstone of any thriving startup ecosystem. Indeed, in her eponymous and landmark study on the state of the UK startup scene, serial entrepreneur Sherry Kotu listed the creation of a thriving venture debt market as a key enabler of rapid company growth. The numbers tell the story. In the established US venture market, around a fifth of US companies take on venture debt. In the UK, the figure is less than 10%. To help understand how venture debt supports companies in scale-up mode, and dig into why sponsors and entrepreneurs should seriously consider taking it on, I'm joined by two guests. Will Chappell is the Head of Growth Capital and Venture at Shawbrook Bank, and has financed growth and technology businesses for more than a decade. He was one of the founding members of the Barclays Venture Debt Team, later joining HSBC as a Director and Lead Banker in the bank's technology team. Chappell has overseen a number of high-profile deals, and provided finance for the likes of music discovery platform Shazam, apartment rental provider One Fine Stay, and more recently, data firm Dudil. Will Chappell, you have been in the venture debt market from pretty much the beginning. What would you say are the biggest changes to the market you have observed over the last 10 years? Good question. I I, I think I'll probably start with the fact that there's more competition than there was certainly a few years ago, which only shows uh, the fact that the market has expanded and grown. Alongside that, we've probably got greater amounts of funding, the amount of interest in certainly things, areas such as software as a service, technology as a whole, has meant that there's been a few more bidding wars than maybe there were a few years ago. And pricing ultimately has come in a little as well, so it's a little bit cheaper to get venture debt. Not saying it's cheap, but it is cheaper. Uh, And and perhaps a little less warrant uh, reliant and warrant driven as well. So there are a few more creative organisations in the market that are coming at it from maybe a different angle, which I'm sure we can explore later on. Uh, CFOs and venture capital firms in general, they're now exploring this as an option at the funding round, as opposed to venture debt potentially being really discussed as a, you know, as a sort of bridging, bridging uh, facility. And I think ultimately, you know, as, a, as a product, it's matured to attract also clearinghouses who are now obviously opening venture debt products and launching from there. So I think, you know, I think from a market perspective over the last few years, certainly over the last 10 years, the landscape's changed dramatically. It's a, it's a re- sort of recognized product now, not just a sort of niche offering. And I think from a comparison back then when it was mainly a sort of an American uh, product, it's very much UK centric now. Okay, great. Well, thank you. A really good overview. And I think plenty that we'll, we'll jump on to later. I'm also joined by Giles Hawkins, who's a partner at law firm Ashford's with specialist expertise in venture capital. Giles has worked on a number of venture capital and venture debt deals, and his client list includes the likes of Local Globe, Mobius Motors, Clio and Capernio, among many others. You will have a you know, very detailed overview of the venture debt scene. Um, and you know, how many credible players would you say are now established in the space? Uh, who are they? And is there room for, for more providers to come in? Hi, Nick. If you look at the UK market, there's only really a, a handful of lenders. Um, historically, you know, there were the big two, which were Silicon Valley Bank and Creos Capital. And going way back when, yeah, there's ETV um, and Noble, who have since dropped out of the market. Um, but 
as Will mentioned, you know, the, the market has matured and there are you know, several other um, funds and banks have entered into the market. So uh, as well as Silicon Valley Bank and Creos, uh, you have, now have uh, designated funds like uh, Columbia Lake, Frog, Boost, and then sort of banks like, you know, like Strawbrook itself, Clydesdale, and you know, from what I can gather listening to the market, other, other people uh, are looking to enter, enter into the market. On top of that then you have US providers like uh, Triple Point or Hercules who dabble in the UK. Um, yeah, their remit is pretty narrow, um, so there's a limit to what they can actually do in the UK. And obviously yeah, the US is such a big market that there's so much low-hanging fruit there, then why, why come over the pond and yeah, try, really trying to look at the UK market? What will be interesting is you know, looking at developments in the US, you've got sort of clear blue ventures, which is you know, even more short-term debt, uh, a bit more like discount factoring. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do in the UK market, if anything. Okay. Charles, really interesting, and clearly this is, this is a market that is, that is thriving and growing really quickly. Right, we've had the overview, and I, I think we've, we've, we've set the scene. Um, but the first question I really wanted, wanted to dig into in more detail um, is how exactly taking on debt can, can benefit a startup. I, I suppose my assumption would be that, that sponsors and entrepreneurs wouldn't really want to worry about you know, servicing debt when the focus is on marketing, developing technology, growing market share, growing teams, um, etc. Giles, perhaps if I can put this one to you, what can a company that has taken on its first Series A do with venture debt that, that maybe it couldn't do if it didn't take on this financing? A good question. Um, I, I think the first thing to say is just like venture capital, venture debt isn't for every company. And just like venture capital, there are risks and drawbacks on, on taking on venture debt. That said, venture debt can ha has some real advantages uh, and used uh, alongside venture capital can really accelerate a company's growth with minimal di uh, dilution to, to ownership. So when you look at sort of um, how companies are using it and how they can really accelerate their growth, yeah, that they're using venture debt to, as opposed to taking equity from VCs, they are growing their rounds or increasing their rounds, getting more money in using that debt to then really accelerate growth, but again, taking minimal, minimal dilution. We're also seeing companies which will uh, take on debt in order to, to extend their runway. So they're looking to hit some milestones. They want to increase value, but they're at that point in time now that it doesn't make sense to take equity, uh, makes sense to take debt, improve the valuation, and then go out and raise money at a far greater valuation. But what you don't see with venture debt, yeah, it, it, it's not a product where the company is um, at risk or in difficulties. That's not a good time to take venture debt. It, it really is there to complement and accelerate venture capital. The other thing um, that is interesting with uh, venture debt is it enhances uh, investor returns. But why a lot of VCs like using venture debt is the fact that yeah, for every pound they put in, they're expecting a return. Now, if they're putting a pound in uh, through venture debt, that doesn't impact their, their dilution, that doesn't impact their ownership, because at the end of the day, they only make money when the company is sold or IPO'd. And they can accelerate a company's growth, they can you know, grow a company far quicker, far easier, um, at no impact or, or, or not in their dollar, which is, you know, it really enhances their returns. Well, some really interesting points that Giles mentioned there. What is your take if, you know, when you get that, that question and, and what do you sense that your clients are, are wanting from, from the product you, and service you're providing? Thank you, Nicholas. Well, Giles's points there are spot on. I think just to quickly reiterate a few of those bullet points, I guess, that I'll, I'll sort of expand yeah. on. Yeah. Non-dilution of shareholding will ultimately create a more uh, ultimately create more control for the entrepreneur, obviously. Um, the extra cash runway 
is something that can really benefit. It's also having an extra finance partner. Mm -hmm. Companies taking debt at an earlier stage, certainly than is the norm in the market, you know, relatively speaking, versus clearing houses and corporate loans, um, shows discipline, it shows a real statement to the market. If you're a fast-growing company and you go out to market and say, look, we've also raised debt, it really you know, makes people look. I think it's key also to note that venture debt isn't for everyone, as Giles said, but the key sort of parameters around that, I think, are it doesn't suit startups, it doesn't suit pre-revenue companies. I mean, debt in itself still has to be repaid. Mm -hmm. Having a venture debt partner alongside a venture capital provider creates a sort of bit more of a hand-holding approach. If there is a problem, you've got more people to, whilst it could be you know, more complicated to think, oh, why, why have we got so many people involved? Actually, an extra angle can often be very, very handy. And from a VC point of view, I think often instead of having to maybe share the burden with another equity provider, having a, having a debt provider could unlock more money later on. I think, I think also ensuring that the market understands that venture debt is not a bridge, whilst it could be thought of as something that gets you from A to B quicker, which it is, it's not, as Giles hinted at, it's not, a, it's not something to come in when the company is potentially having a difficult time because ultimately the last thing you want when you're struggling is to find that you've got another person who may be lending or investing per se, need that money back. So I think key is if it's, if it's used correctly, it can be extremely beneficial and um, lending alongside investors is, is, is the key sort of parameter. Giles, how important then is, is the sponsor as the, I guess the deciding factor that, uh, that, that, that would get the lenders on board. And also is this effectively, is, is the Series A sort of the benchmark for when a, a company can start looking at, at taking on the product? Um, I, I, taking the second part of that question sort of first, um, is Series A the benchmark? Um, and the answer to that is probably no. Um, so yeah, sort of um, Silicon Valley Bank dabbled at one stage with a, a seed product. So yeah, before an institutional round, some, some companies won't be ready for venture debt at Series A. Some companies may not be ready for venture debt until Series B, Series C. Um, so it really comes down to the company itself, its growth trajectory, its plans, its business model, as to whether it makes sense to, to leverage it or, or not. Looking um, at as, as to, you know, does it matter who the sponsor is, who, who the investor is? Uh, yes, it's really important. Um, certain, yeah, I, I mentioned um, earlier about some of the US funds. So a US fund like Triple Point, its remit is that if it goes into Europe, it can only uh, invest in uh, venture bank companies within a certain band. So looking at the, you know, the indexes, the Axels of the world, it wouldn't be able to uh, lend to uh, an EIS or a small seed fund. And I'm sure Will, from a risk profile, when he's looking at a company, you know, if there are sort of top tier uh, VCs, it changes the risk dynamics. You know, they've done the DD, you know, they are investment professionals, they know the market, they've done the investment, their lawyers have been all over it, they've done the commercial DD, and that changes the risk profile quite dramatically. Uh, which means that sort of any debt provider sort of knows that, hold on a minute, yeah, Axel have done that work. Uh, they know what they're doing, and yes, I've got to do my own DD, I've got to get comfortable, I've got to get this through risk, but we can actually piggyback off the, the work and the commitment that uh, a, a, yeah, a top-tier fund has made. Really interesting, Giles. And Will, as a lender, how do you, you know, what sort of parameters do you set with respect to um, what round the financing uh, or what round um, the, the company is in, and, and also how important is, is the sponsor in your decision on whether to, to do a lend or, or not? So around the sponsor, a lot of organisations in this market have a, a sort of whitelist or a panel of VCs or 
sponsors that they will lend alongside. We here at Shawbrook have a policy where we look at every deal in its own merit. That said, we don't necessarily go with every single transaction we, we look at from a sponsor perspective. We need to get comfortable with that sponsor and the, I guess the approach that they're taking with the business. I think when it comes down to looking at that, a lot of it's really how long does this sponsor or investor want to be part of the journey of this business? Are they looking to get out of the next round? What we want is to lend alongside people that are in it for the long, long run. We need to be able to, if there's a problem, be able to phone them up and say, is everything okay? Just like the entrepreneur would, would one would expect, wish to phone up uh, a VC or a P house that's investing in them to ensure that they're aware of any you know, potential choppy water down the road. So it's very important to ensure that there's an understanding, I think, between sponsor and lender, mm -hmm. just like there is between sponsor and borrower, so, or, or investee. So I think it's, uh, you know, and I'm happy to come to sort of things like the structure of what we would do and how we would do it shortly as well. Yeah, well, I think let's move on to that. I mean, you know, I, I suppose we've, we've gone through how a startup can benefit. Mm -hmm. um, and we've just touched on the point about structure there, Will. So, yep. you know, as a lender, how do you get comfortable with, with lending to a business that, that may not be profitable yet? Um, and, you know, how are you structuring your loans? And uh, maybe a bit more detail about what you're looking for in a counterparty, I know you've sort of touched on some of those points now, but perhaps if you could just elaborate. Okay. Absolutely, so I think it's very, very important to establish a difference between the debt and equity part in these sort of instances. So normally a venture debt provider, and I'm talking about the whole market here, would probably come in at around 33% of maybe what the equity provider is putting in. Simple maths, if somebody's coming in with three million pounds from an equity perspective, the lender would look at roughly around a million as a sort of max sort of lend. So we look at it um, along that, those sort of lines. We, we, we don't want to lend for longer than about three years. I think venture debt in itself, by definition, is relatively short term. We look at companies that have good strong revenue base, so around a million revenue. Um, we, we, we hope to have the, an element of recurring contracts in that million. Um, when it comes to whether it's Series A or Series B, as Giles said earlier on, I think it, it totally depends on the on the framework the business already has and the, and the stage that they're at, we have lent at Series A, but we probably see the majority of transactions coming at around the Series B level. We look at um, lending along, lending with potential covenants, potential warrants. I mean, from our side, we we'd like to keep an eye on how the business is is doing by covenants. I think we'd like to really call them monitors to ensure that the company is not going vastly off track its budget. With that in mind, we look at maybe its EBITDA position uh, and its cash held or cash burn. But equally, we can potentially go in with a, a less covenanted or monitored position and take a, take a small warrant as well. Yeah. And I think what we were talking about earlier about how the market's developed, I think pricing has come in you know, an awful lot since, since this product sort of came around through a mixture of competition, but I think also fairness. I think entrepreneurs now can actually look for, for a good transaction. I think what, what I've set up here at Shawbrook, I think is, is commercially um, very attractive to entrepreneurs. And I think also, you know, VCs are waking up to that too. Um, and as I said, also around the sponsors, we don't have to, we don't have a specific panel of sponsors we lend alongside. And we do like looking at maybe the PE firms and VCs that maybe haven't normally traditionally sought venture debt for their yeah, portfolio companies because you know we like we, you know we we're open for business and we like to see what's out there. Okay, really interesting. Well, I mean, Giles, what would you, some of your observations be? I suppose you 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 see the whole market. Um, 
And, and, and what structures are and, and lending criteria do, do you observe? Is it, is it relatively standard and, and boilerplate, or, or are we in a market now where there are a lot of bespoke structures and lenders are quite differentiated in that respect? There, I think when you look at the market as a whole, um, you know, there are different products, you know, so there are you know, straight uh, facilities, working capital lines, some sort of MES financing. So there's a, a real, so, you know, venture debt as a, as a product is pretty flexible and different providers will have different products which will you know, appeal to different types of companies. So th that's becoming more and more interesting. And, and again, looking at the US, we're going to see sort of you know, new models as well that you know, they, you know, some providers are providing you um, just marketing spend. So you know, they're giving you a limited uh, facility just for Google ads and sort of, you know, Facebook ads and that's it. And that no doubt will come to the UK before long. Um, so you know, the product evolves as these companies with their different business models evolve. So that, that's, that's really interesting. But when it comes down to it, you know, essentially when you look at the market, it's, it tends to be either covenants with no warrants or warrants with no covenants. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that tends to be the deciding factor with uh, a lot of these companies. Um, yeah, I mentioned earlier that, yeah, and Will did as well, that yeah, one of the benefits of a uh, venture debt is it, yeah, it minimizes dilution, but with a warrant, yeah, that, that does yeah, create dilution, minimal, but dilution. Um, so it really does come down to the question is, yeah, yeah, do you want to have that, that loan? Yeah, it is very light, um, but yeah, with, a, with that ongoing monitoring from a provider, um, or do you want something which is a bit lighter touch, and, um, but yeah, that, that dilutes you further. Okay. Um, one further thing to add, just to, you know, just to, uh, the question as well, when you know, looking at sort of partners, a bit like the relationship between the entrepreneur and the VC is a bit of a marriage um, and a, sort of, you know, a partnership. Uh, the same is really is you know, the same goes to the, the venture debt provider and the, the VC. You know, both want to know how it, how the other person is going to act when it all goes wrong, which is really really key. Um, yeah, so Will and his team will want to know that you know, will will the investor do right by that company and guide that company through the bad times. Just as the VC will want, you know, will and other venture debt providers to know that they have the support of their of their uh, lender, and so that's really important. You know, trust throughout the entire VC ecosystem is 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 key. Okay. I think behaviour absolutely, as Giles said, behaviour is so crucial. If you ensure that you can, you know, provide a a strong, rational approach when things are going badly, just as you can when things are going well, and as as Giles said, the you know the ecosystem remembers it. Just quickly, Giles, just following up on that, is, has the market matured enough to, to, to go through a cycle where the sponsors and the lenders can tell who behaves and, and how they behave? Um, or is that still to be revealed? I, th I think it's still to be revealed. Um, so there are certain, um, yeah, Silicon Valley Bank, Krios, they've gone through several cycles. Um, yeah, sort of, yeah, Silicon Valley Bank obviously got their banking license really, really sort of, uh, recently, but we're lending into Europe uh, yeah. For, yeah, for a couple of decades. Krios, um, yeah, exactly, exactly the same. Um, but on the new wave, the jury's still out, and yeah, we will still need to see how some of these providers you know, act when, when things go wrong in the next downturn, which they will. How much does it come down to individuals, Will? Because I suppose you've been in the market for a long time, so even though you're with a, a different organisation, it's still the relationship with yourself that I guess people rely on as much as they do the, the brand. Absolutely. People in so many industries, it's the same. It's, it's people by people. And, and I think also there's an understanding and trust for example, I've known Giles for many, many years. And, um, you know, I think we, I'd like to say we trust each other. I think <laughs> in terms of the, the market as a whole, I would hope that people remember me from transactions a few years back. And I've certainly seen that in the year that I've, since I've launched the Shawbrook product, people have got in touch and said, well, remember you from this. And, and, and vice versa also with some of the VCs and P houses and, and also entrepreneurs that maybe have sold companies that they 
were maybe working with me on four or five years ago and they come back in with new ones. So I think, I think the, the, people, the people side is absolutely crucial. Hinted earlier also that management team in companies is, is super important, just like the management team is in the lenders and the, and the VCs themselves. So as long as you believe that you, know, you can work with that person, I mean, it's, it's all about trust at the end, really. I wanted to move on to a question um, about about the awareness and, and, and provision of of venture debts. Um, Giles, I know you mentioned earlier that you know the ecosystem has developed and evolved, and there are a lot more providers. The product's a lot more sophisticated. But how educated would you say VCs are, um, and, and indeed entrepreneurs are about venture debt? You know, are they familiar with what it is, who's providing it? how to get hold of it, and also, I suppose, how it, it, it can benefit them on, on their journey. I, I think on the VC side, um, the, the top tier or the Silicon Valley um, star VCs yeah, understand and use venture debt on a regular basis. I think looking at the tier below, it becomes a bit more mixed. Uh, and what is interesting is that because of um, you know, changes to the tax breaks and other sort of regulatory issues, what we're seeing is more competition or money, more money flowing into the, sort of the tech space from non-traditional tech funds. Um, and, and those funds aren't that savvy on the use of venture debt. And you know, sort of, I, I know Will has spoken with a number of them, uh, are, but are beginning to realize you know, the, the benefits of, of using it. So you've got these sort of new people coming in from the bottom, um, sort of smaller funds, yeah, used to be sort of uh, agnostic, but now looking at more technology. And then you're also looking at more sort of, you know, sort of low-end PE funds which you know, had their own sort of lending uh, providers historically, but are now you know, beginning to sort of understand and realize the, the benefits of using venture debt. So it, it's evolving. Um, I, I think yeah, sort of the, the top end of the market is well catered for and has been for some while and, and you know, know and use venture debt. At the bottom end, it's, it, it, it's, it's changing. With entrepreneurs, debt has a bad name in, in, in Europe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, which, is, which is wrong. Um, yeah, so used um, like anything, yeah, used improperly or unwisely, um, it, it, it can uh, damage or yeah, destroy value. Um, but use well um, and, and use properly, it can, can really sort of yeah, increase value. And so looking at the US, a lot of entrepreneurs over there, again, it's a far more mature you know, ecosystem, are uh, far happier to sort of use debt as leverage um, as opposed to a lot of Europeans. I mean, say Europeans, there's still, this, there's still this very cautious mindset that debt is bad. And if I'm taking debt, I'm doing something wrong or the company's going downhill. That, that isn't the case. It's all about managing resources. And it's far cheaper and far more capital efficient for some companies to take on debt than others. Non-entrepreneurs are you know, beginning to understand this, but, but again, it's probably more of a, a mindset issue more than, more than anything else. Okay, really interesting. Well, I mean, how do you how do you see it from 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 the provider side? Um, are most of the people you you get in front of familiar about about what you're about, um, and, or, or is there an education that, that you have to sort of take them through? There's definitely less educating required than a few years ago, even a year ago. I mean, I I do have the occasional phone call where I have to explain what venture debt is. Certainly, certainly, I'd say to to the corporate finance market that's certainly waking up to this. Best example, I think, in terms of how the market's developed is, is the, the existence now of brokers. There are brokers in the venture debt space, which shows that when, um, when a company's looking to borrow, there's somebody out there that will help them package it and take it to providers, which certainly wasn't the case a couple of years ago. I think also that sponsors are now going in also to, to companies saying, we'd like to put X amount into your business. And by the way, we also think that the following venture debt provider can come in with us 
So a lot of sponsors are going in with a venture debt provider almost, not pre-approved, but the discussions have been had already, as opposed to really historically where maybe an entrepreneur was thinking, well, we've just raised some money. I'd, I'd rather not sell any more shares. Let's, let's go on Google and see if anybody will lend to us. And it has actually really changed now where it is much more of a, there is much more of a sort of live system where, and also CFOs talk to other CFOs. The amount of CFO networks that I've come across where CFO of one company has recommended another CFO to me and just said, look, you should speak to Will. He did this for us and, and word of mouth does get around. And I think, you know, from that side of things, the, you know, the ecosystem and the knowledge base out there is better than ever. And, and especially in sort of relatively turbulent times, I think it, it will continue growing. Yeah, I, I think so. just to sort of echo you know, something Bill said then on you know, turbulent times that you know, the, the message we're getting from a, a, you know, a lot of people in the market is that you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the next you know, one, two years time. And yeah, we are beginning to see an uptick in people looking at venture debt, thinking, I don't want to raise money now because the valuation isn't there. I don't know whether I'll be able to raise money in 12 months, 18 months time. So again, coming back to this point about extending the runway, um, but taking venture debt now, eking out, growing the company for the next 18 months, and then yeah, hopefully weathering what will be what will be, um, and then sort of going out then in sort of two years time to raise. Um, so yeah, we are sort of seeing more of a yeah, venture debt as a safety barrier. Um, which is which is interesting. That's a really good point. And I think that leads us on to um, the final question I wanted to put to you to you both. And I was just keen for for what your sense is or what your outlook is for for the future of of, of venture debt provision uh, in Europe, and also uh, perhaps how how the market will evolve and, and how lenders will will differentiate as as it grows indeed as as it has done over the last few years. And um, Charles, maybe if I could come to you first on that one. Um, I, I think you will see a convergence between some of the fintech companies and the venture debt providers. People like Will can have instant access on a yeah, on an hourly basis to the cash flows running through these companies. So as the technology becomes more sophisticated, um, as AI becomes more sophisticated, you, you will see that sort of blend between venture debt providers and, and fintech. Short-term lending is already uh, is already there in the US. Um, we'll see more of that over here in the UK. Overall, the, the sector will change from traditional banking. It will take on cues from yeah, what we're seeing in sort of the retail fintech will be then applied to, to the, the corporate space. Okay. Well, what, what, is, what is your outlook and where do you see the market going? Well, it's, it's buoyant, it's growing. I know I would say that, but it really, uh, it really is. I think um, Giles's point is spot on on the fintech side. Disruption is you know, completely all over this market anyway uh, and will continue to be. I think there's certainly an opportunity for growth in Europe. Um, in the coming years, I think flexibility in terms of offering is key. I think we've hinted a lot in this in this in this sort of session around uh, providers in the venture debt space saying warrants or or covenants, and I think having a the ability to be able to sort of move and shift between both of those sort of areas is is going to be very important. I think also improved execution, delivery, and reliability in the market. I think there's been a there's been a lot said over the last few years, certainly in the venture debt space, around how long it takes to get something done. I think it's vital to be able to act quickly. These companies don't want to sit there with reams and massive, huge documents full of paperwork they have to complete. They want it to be quite slick. And I think that's something that's certainly going to have to improve and, and has improved. Uh, Giles hinted around the zero thing. I think data scraping in general is certainly helping. I think companies that are able to make that execution part quicker in terms of sort of data and DD, uh, that's going to be a very important part. I think, look, I think in terms of an overlook, an overview in general, this is a growing market. 
that continues to grow. And I think with London being relatively speaking awash with cash still, certainly on the VC side, um, there is a real, real demand for, for this product. And I think it's only going to go one way. Great. And I think on that note, uh, Will Chappell, Charles Hawkins, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.